All right, well, we're in Acts. Acts, uh, What chapter of Acts are we in? 18? Is that the one? Acts 400. All right. (laughs) Acts 18. And we're going to start it in verse 18. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and follow with me. I will also put it up on the screen. Paul, he stays in Corinth for some time. Let's go to the map, the, the trusty map. So we're, we're here in Corinth. We started way over here. We've been kind of traveling by map all the way up here. We're down here. And finally, we're in Corinth. And that's where we were all last week in Corinth. And it says he stays there for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and he sailed for Syria. Syria's way over here. So he's trying to take some distance, isn't he? He's going all the way from Corinth and he's going to make it all the way to Syria. He's accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Centuria because of a vow he had taken. And then they arrived at Ephesus. All right, here's Ephesus, pretty popular biblical city. And he leaves Priscilla and Aquila there, verse 19 says. And he himself went into a synagogue in Ephesus, and he reasons with the Jews. Verse 20, when they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it's God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus, and then he landed in Caesarea, which is all the way down here. I've been there. Pretty cool. Caesarea. And then he goes to Jerusalem to visit the churches there. And then he goes to Antioch. And that is the conclusion of Paul's second missionary journey. And what a journey it's been, right? I mean, anyone else enjoy the journey through the book of Acts? I I have learned so very much. I'm thankful for this book that we call Acts that has invited us into this journey with Paul. But I'll tell you what, one thing really stood out to me, and it was what happens in Ephesus, right here. Again, Ephesus. Something stood out to me, and it was in verse 20. I think it's worth looking at just a little bit deeper because verse 20 tells us that Paul, he goes into the synagogue. Did you catch that part? And he reasoned with the Jews. Nothing new here. This is what Paul does. He goes into synagogues. He reasons with the Jewish leaders. But something popped out to me this time because when they asked him to spend more time with them, what does Paul do? He declines. He says, no, and that jumped out to me, church, because as followers of Jesus, I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for the open door, right? If a group of people who don't know Jesus say, hey, would you come tell us more about Jesus? For me, that's a clear, open door. And yet Paul, being led by the Holy Spirit, when they ask Paul to stay and tell them more, he actually says no. In verse 21, as he left, he promises, he goes, but I will come back if it is God's will. That got me. It it challenges me because again, this man of God, the apostle Paul, I've learned so much from the apostle Paul. And yet here he says, no, even though it's an open door again, to spend more time with these people, to reason with them. But he says, no, 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 no. See, I got to go. And if it is the Lord's will, I'll be back. But for now I got to go. So here I am this week sitting in my office, praying and saying, Lord, like, what are you trying to say? What, what are you trying to show us? And, and you know, I, I think it's actually pretty simple that as Christians, sometimes we say no. And not every open door is the Lord's will for our life. 
If you're taking notes, you might want to write some of this down today. Again, sometimes we say no, and not every open door is God's will for our lives. Now, but we also know, with that being said, God often reveals his will through open doors. Has the Lord ever opened a door for you, church? Right? Come on. It's okay to raise your hand on that one. That's what he does often. Paul, we already read, uh, Paul, uh, the Lord opened a door for him to preach the good news into Macedonia. I think it's in Colossians 4 where he says, would you pray for us? Remember that? He says, pray what? That God would open a door for our message. So we know that God opens doors. But church, again, not all open doors are God's will for your life. I'll give you an example. In my 17 years of being a pastor, I have had many open doors to be a pastor in other places. In fact, I was just talking to Mary about it this week. One time my boss said, here's the deal, Dan. Just tell us where you want to go anywhere in the country. We will find a job for you. But see, he could trust me with that statement because he knows me. He knows my wife. He knows our passion for Jesus. He knows our passion to follow Jesus and that we weren't just looking for an open door. We were looking for God's will to be done. Another way to think of it is simply this. If you really want to follow hard after Jesus, and I have a hunch that most of you do. Like, you know what I'm talking about. We just talked about where his will is being done in our life. Sometimes you have to say no to the good thing to get to the God thing. Again, you might, might be wanting to write some of this down today. To know God's will, to get to God's will, sometimes you've got to say no to the good thing to get to the God thing. Here's another example from my life. For me to get to Edgewood, Washington. Like, no, if, when you tell people where you're from, no one knows where Edgewood, Washington is. But for me to get here, almost 13 years ago, which is crazy to even say out loud. But we had to say no to some pretty good job opportunities. When I was on the job market, we're not, I'm not even making this up. But we laugh about it now. One of the pastors that I interviewed for, he said, if you take this job, you will never have to worry about money again. Like talk about tempting for a 29-year-old pastor to hear. Or another pastor, I'm not going to tell you where these places are. Another pastor told Mary and I, if you take this job, I'm looking to retire. And, and within the next few years, and you can be a senior pastor. I thought that was a good thing. Like now I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but at the time, as we were leaving our jobs in Spokane, see, the Lord had been speaking very clearly. Has the Lord ever spoken to you before church? See, the Lord was speaking to Mary and I that he wasn't just sending us to a region. He wasn't sending us to a church, but we felt this on our hearts. He was sending us to a couple, to a ministry couple, that he was calling us to come alongside a couple who needed encouragement and support. So when Pastor Chad, the founder of this church, when he met with me, and he just begins to tell me about some of the hardships that this church was facing, which, by the way, were many. Was anyone here in the fall of 2009? Raise your hand. Like there was six. <laughs> six of you. I mean, it was a tough season at LifeSpring Foursquare Church. So this is fall of 2009. We had just had our baby, a little Ava, in August of 2009. So we've got this brand new baby. We're sitting with this pastor who's telling us about all these struggles. But see, what Chad didn't know was that what Chad was offering was exactly what Mary and I had been praying for. In fact, we had written it down on a card. We knew it was the Lord's will. So we leave Spokane. We leave our two full-time paying jobs, move into my parents' loft with the four of us. And I worked for the U.S. Census, part-time barista. The rest is history. But I, I just tell you that because I was reminded this week that we had to say no to a lot of open doors 
in order to get to God's will. And I'm just so thankful. I'm kind of happy today. And I'm really thankful to share this story because I'm thankful I said no to some good things in order to experience the joy of being a part of this really awesome God thing called LifeSpring Foursquare Church. But what about you? In your life, in your context, in your sphere of influence, what does this look like? I want you to consider this today, church. What does it look like to walk so close with Jesus where you're able to say no to a good thing in order to get to a God thing? And as you consider this question, here's some of the best and most basic, simple advice you're ever going to hear from me. When a door opens for you, Pray about it. Start praying. And life spring, keep praying. As Paul says in Ephesians, pray at all times on every occasion. That's my first point today. Just keep praying. I know it sounds like Christian needs to say, yeah, I'll pray about it. In fact, don't raise your hands, but have you ever said that? Like, yeah, I'll pray about it, and then you never actually pray about it. <laughs> but take this seriously. By the way, you never move on from prayer. Like, prayer is the thing. This is a house of prayer. Take this seriously. When there's an open door presented in your life, pray. Go into the prayer closet. Pray. See, I have a hunch, some of you right now, even today, I don't know your story, but I have a hunch that some of you have opportunities right now that you need to pray about. And as I'm speaking, you're like, oh, I said I would pray about it but I'm not so sure I actually have. These might be things involving your job. Maybe there's a promotion. Maybe it's a complete career change. Or this has happened a lot in the last couple of years. Maybe you've been presented with an open door to move. Maybe to even another state. Church, don't take that lightly. Take that to the Lord in prayer. Don't fall into that trap that says that I'm just trying to escape from something, right? Don't fall into that trap where you're trying to escape from something, but make sure that you are being led into something. Don't just chase after good things. We know the saying, the grass is always greener on the other side. Don't chase after good, but chase after God. Seek the Lord in prayer, right? Isn't that what we do? That is what we were made to do. Are we just in a posture of surrender? Say, God, here's my life. Here's my family. Here's my my finances, my house, my job. I'm surrendering it all to you. So, Lord Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. Lead me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Because I hope you agree with this. We don't want to just do what other people are telling us to do. As a pastor, it is hilarious how many people are telling me what to do. But you don't want to just do what other people are telling you what to do. You don't want to do what just looks right. You don't want to do what just sounds right. This is a big one in our culture. You don't want to just do what feels right. I mean, we are in a culture right now that just says, do whatever you want to do. But that's not a Christian life, as tempting as that is. No, as a Christian, more than anything else, what do we want to do? We want to do the Lord's will in our life. Not my will, but yours be done. And again, church, we discover that in a life of prayer. 
reminded Paul's letter to the Thessalonians. You guys know this one. He challenges us. What does he say? He says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Why? Because it is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing. It is God's will in Christ Jesus for you. Live a lifestyle of prayer. So Paul, he walks out this life of prayer. He hears from the Lord, declines this good opportunity to stay and reason with the leaders in the synagogue, and instead he continues on. He finishes his journey. Let's continue on to verse 23. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there. So we got to now get to the third. I made that sound like this was really heavy. Did you hear the grunt that I just made? Oh, oh I need your help, Pete. Oh. No, now maybe it is heavy. <laughs> but we've now made it to the third missionary journey. And he's gone from Antioch. He set out, traveled place to place through the region of Galatia and Phrygia. So he's here, and now we're on the third one, and he's going to take this through here, which is Galatia, and then Phrygia would be kind of this area right here. He's strengthening the disciples. But listen to this, verse 24. There's a Jew named Apollos. Remember that name. I'm going to talk a lot about Apollos today. He's a native of Alexandria. He came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. He spoke with great fervor. This guy's awesome. I like this guy. Don't you want to meet Apollos? I mean, look at all this. He's teaching about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home. And he explained to him the way of God more adequately. Isn't that great? See, this brilliant man of God who, again, had a thorough knowledge of the scriptures, who's just awesome, who's, again, instructing in the ways of the Lord. He's been instructed in the ways of the Lord. He's speaking with great fervor. He's teaching about Jesus accurately. Oh, my goodness, in 2022, we could use some of that. (laughs) He's speaking boldly in the synagogue, but I just love it. So when Priscilla and Aquila hear him, when they hear this amazing man of God, they invite him to their house, and they explain to him the way of God more adequately now the part i love the most about that is it seems to me that he's open to it right there's nothing in the scripture that says he got defensive there's nothing in the scripture that says he began to argue nothing like that but instead a man who has learned so much i mean i just gave you the whole list of how awesome this apollos guy is but see i I believe that he knows i believe that he knows that with christ if you're walking with christ church listen you never stop learning you never stop learning so he receives instruction from priscilla and aquila and this is so good and it leads me to my second point keep learning keep learning church keep praying keep learning never stop growing never stop learning as the master's program at life pacific university told me great leaders are great learners and i get it i'm sure you know a lot about the lord And I'm confident, yes, I get it. You know a lot about Scripture. But you don't know everything. And isn't it one of the great joys of the Christian life is knowing that you can get up and grow in Jesus? Anybody else excited to grow in Jesus? That you're thankful for what He's done, but you're also thankful that He's not done yet? Anybody else excited about the growth that happens in Lord Jesus? 
I'm telling you, in the unanswered prayers class that we've been doing that actually concludes tonight, I'm learning. In that Foursquare convention that I was at, oh man, I was learning. In the daily reading plan, in the scriptures, I'm learning from the scriptures, but I'm also learning so much from the comments. If you've been a part of it, there's these comments. It's Carolyn. Carolyn, what you wrote about hope the other day, did anyone else read that? Did anyone learn something about hope when you read that comment? Like, praise the Lord. These incredible sermons every week. I'm learning. I'm walking with my wife. I'm learning from her. I'm learning from my children. Anyone else learn from your kids? I learned so much from Ava and Addie and Trevin. I'm learning from the Holy Spirit as he reminds me of everything that Jesus has said and done. But life spring, guess what? I've still got a lot to learn. I've still got a lot to learn. And I'm thankful for the people who continue to love me enough To pull me aside, not in a condemning way, not in a way to bring me shame, but I believe like Priscilla and Aquila, out of their love for me, they're willing to lovingly teach me. I've benefited so much from those encounters that I think about, oh man, Pastor Joe of Integrity Life, how much I've learned from him in this season. I mean, I'm in the same office as Jesse Mendoza. Are you kidding me? What a gift. I've learned so much from him. My staff, Braden, Jeremy, Julie, really the whole leadership team here, all of them. I'm just flat out a better person because of their influence in my life. And for Apollos, Priscilla and her husband teach this man. Priscilla and her husband teach this man the way of God more adequately. Keep praying. Keep learning. And I conclude with this. Point three. Keep going. Keep going. Verse 27. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. I think of all my points, this is the one I'm most excited about. Keep going. Because we don't know exactly what Priscilla and Aquila told Apollos. But whatever it was, it must have been encouraging. Because look at the guy go. Right? He receives that instruction and he doesn't skip a beat. And here's a man, you you probably didn't catch this, but it says that he's originally from Alexandria, right? Remember that? He's from Alexandria, but then now he was ministering in Ephesus, but now he has a longing to go to Achaia. And now he's there and he's a great help, vigorously refuting his opponents, public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. Do you catch the drift, church, that Apollos kept going? And so you, whatever you might be walking through today, again, keep going. And I know that can feel very hard in the current climate as we continue to observe and watch cities, states, countries make decisions and choices that are so far from God's best for them. It can be heavy. It can be discouraging. It can be actually very defeating. And it's not just the global events. It's not just the national events. For some of you, this is all very personal, right? You have people very close to you who are making poor 
choices, and it is so very heavy. And I know that you're tempted to give up. But that's why I love reading the book of Acts. Hasn't it been timely? Like the Lord knew what he was doing when he had us walk through this book. It's so timely because we get to read about these men and these women like Apollos, like Priscilla, like Paul, that they keep going, they keep sharing their faith. But it isn't easy. Can we just all agree that what they're doing here it isn't easy? It kind of reminds you of Jesus when he says, hey, listen up, in this world, guess what? You will have Tribulation, trouble. Priscilla and Aquila, by the way. Originally, what city were they in? Do you remember this? Way back, a couple chapters ago. They were in Rome. Remember that? Rome. Why did they have to leave Rome? Because Claudius kicked out all of the Jewish people out of Rome. And so they're moving from city to city. Paul, he has to flee all the time. We just read a couple of weeks ago about him fleeing Thessalonica. Or earlier in the book of Acts. There's this great persecution that breaks out after the stoning of Stephen. Remember, Stephen dies. A great persecution breaks out. The believers, they have to scatter. They spread out from Jerusalem. But church, do you remember as they scattered, as they spread out, what else scattered and spread out? The gospel of Jesus Christ spread. I've learned so much from these disciples and I'm happy today. Because in the midst of very scary times, unsettled, challenging, disturbing times, they kept going. Because Jesus said, yeah, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Keep going. Keep going. For some reason, this all brought up a pretty intense moment for my family back in 2019. At LifeSpring, our church council installed, uh, instilled this policy that allows the lead pastor to go on a sabbatical every seven years. And I'm just so thankful for that. I believe a lot of the health that we're seeing even here at LifeSpring is because, uh, really, a direct result of that. But for four weeks, my family and I, we were in the American West, right? We, we had a car rental, and we were driving without a cell phone, without an email. It was a very healing Time for me. It was a special time with my family, but also a special time with God. But Mary and I talk often about something that happened towards the end of that trip. And it was as we drove into, maybe you've heard of the city before, but it's called San Francisco. It was a planned stop. We were really excited about it. Couldn't wait to go. We had some things we wanted to see. We wanted to see the Golden State Bridge. We wanted to eat some clam chowder down at the Fisherman's Wharf. But I'm just telling you, I I don't know how to explain this adequately. In fact, I'm going to try, but I will fail. Words are going to fall short. But the heaviness that we felt as we entered into that city. And again, by this point, we've been on the road 24, 25 days. But we felt an oppression like we had never felt before. And, and I didn't realize a lot of what was going on uh, politically, culturally in San Francisco at the time. I actually just read a really good article in The Atlantic this week. Maybe you did as well about San Francisco being a failed city. I think it gave me some context for maybe what was happening in 2019. But I, I don't know if I've ever used this word from this stage before. But again, Mary and I were just talking about this week. What we felt was what we thought demonic. Demonic. Again, without exaggeration, it was so heavy. And it was so heavy that as we drove into that city where we were planning to spend the entire day, we never stopped. And in the most protective way, we were just like, no, we're not exposing our children to this. We're not exposing ourselves 
to this. And so we kept driving on. And I think because we were on sabbatical, we were trying to rest, right? We are trying to be restored, renewed, healed, to get ready for this next season of ministry. So my go-to wasn't like, wow, you know, like a bunch of lost people and what a great ministry opportunity. And let's see how we can bring the wholeness and the beauty and the garden of Jesus into this place. Instead, we're like, no, we're not stopping. Let's get out of here. Whether that was the right call or not, I don't know. But this is what I do know is that towns and villages and cities that Paul and Priscilla and Phoebe and Junia and Silas and John and Peter and Apollos were walking into, they probably felt a whole lot like San Francisco. Because you remember, like, when this Bible is written, the New Testament, I mean, this is the very beginning of Christianity. So it's not like these cities are some, like, Christian cities. These, these are cities full of very broken, beautiful people who are very, very lost. And yet, out of God's great love for these very lost, beautiful people, He sends His best. Hallelujah. He sends His finest. He sends his most dedicated and trusted ones. He sends his prized possessions into some very dark places to shine and to share the light of Christ. Because God was on a rescue mission. A rescue mission to reconcile lost people back to himself. To restore that relationship that sin had so violently broken. But he sends his followers. He sends his children. People just like you and me. He sends them into a confused and chaotic culture. Why? So that many might be saved and made whole in Christ. Praise the Lord. Church, and here's the deal. He is still doing that today. I just believe this at the very core of my bones, that Jesus is not done yet with the city of Seattle. He loves this region. It's not an accident that you are here during this season, Life Spring Foursquare Church. Did you know that the Father's love for the city of Seattle is great? Did you know that? I don't think some of you know that. You know why I say that? Because every time I use the word Seattle, I can see visibly the squirming that begins to happen. But his love for this city is great. Can I get an amen? See, out of his great love for them, did you know that he has stayed his patient hand? Remember when Peter's being mocked? Like, where's your God? Right? Where is he? Is he coming? Remember that? And what does Peter say? His response is so powerful to me. Hear this response. Be encouraged by this response, church. He says, no, 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 no. You got it all wrong. The Lord isn't slow in keeping his promise. No, you know what he is? He's patient. He's patient. Because he doesn't want anyone to perish. But everyone to come to repentance. We're in a season of God's grace where even right now today, lost people, beautiful, precious people made in His image that are broken and hurting and lost, they can still be saved in the name of Jesus. There's still time for people to repent, to repent and to turn and to be saved. And yet we don't know how much time we got left. 
See, one day Jesus is coming back as king. Do you believe that, church? At Foursquare, we say he's the soon and coming king. He's coming back. Uh, by the way, I don't say that to scare you. As a believer in Jesus, it's so weird how scared Christians get when they hear about Jesus coming back. No, that's our joy. That's what our hearts long for. The end of the book, have you read it? He cries out, come, Lord Jesus, come. But because time is short, may the Lord send us, compelled by his love, may he send us to shine the light of Christ wherever we go. Church, keep praying. Keep serving. Keep loving. Keep shining. Keep going. And keep, I'm just going to get kind of spicy today. Keep sharing the Bible with the people around you. And that is so unpopular in the church right now. But I'm just telling you, I met for two and a half hours with a 21-year-old on Monday morning. You know what he needed? He didn't need my opinions. He needed the Word of God. And yet we are so afraid. There's this hesitation because we all know the stories, the, the awful stories of how the Bible has been harmfully, inappropriately, oppressively used, right? In very negative, awful ways. But come on, don't let the sins of others keep you from sharing the life-giving message of His Word with people who need a life-giving message of His Word. Oh, we're just like, so I don't want to hurt, I don't want to... No, the Lord is in you and He's with you. Be compelled by His love, His grace, and His compassion. And share a life-giving message with somebody around you. So be open. I conclude with this. Be open to wherever the Lord is sending you this week. Maybe it's literally downtown Seattle. But I think for most of us, it's going to be a little closer to home. He's going to be sending you into your job this week. So maybe it's a work meeting. Maybe it's with your boss. Maybe it's with a customer. But wherever it is, just let them see Christ in you. Maybe you feel the Lord, He's leading you. I I hope He's leading us into every sphere of influence in this world. So maybe He's leading you to attend the city council meeting. Maybe it's to sit on the PTA meeting. Or, Or maybe it's to volunteer at the community center. Maybe it's to go to the local retirement home. I don't know, but just wherever it is, let them see Jesus in you such a good time to be alive I mean he's called you do you believe you've been called or is this just some like cosmic accident or horrible mistake that you're still around I don't believe that for a second I believe for such a time as this the Lord has called you to be alive today so keep praying keep learning keep going and watch what God will do and all God's people said amen would you stand with us church